Hi, and welcome to Beyond the IPLS Classroom. I'm your host, Stacey Roberts. In this episode, I am joined by Alan Yeoman. Alan has worked in education for over 30 years as a teacher, a head teacher, a local and national advisor, and more recently as a consultant and trainer delivering professional development to schools around the world. Alan began delivering online learning in 1996 when the local authority he worked for invested in video conferencing equipment to support rural schools and to enable specialist teachers to deliver learning across the authority without the need to spend time travelling. In this episode, we will be discussing the meaning of SEN, how this is different for each country, school and student, and how we can support students with additional learning needs now that we are no longer in the classroom five days a week. Alan will provide some advice on how best to support students with additional needs, both at home with parents and online. He will also provide some practical tips that you can incorporate both in your face-to-face classrooms and in your virtual classrooms that will support all of your students. So thanks for joining me, Alan. Um, As a trainer, you've delivered the IPLS Professional Development Module Introduction to SEN and you've authored the PD module, How to Teach SEN Students Online. What exactly do we mean when we talk about SEN? Okay, so first of all, thank you very much for having me along. SEN is one of these terms that gets used to mean lots of different things. So special educational needs is, I guess, what what it stands for and where it all started from. That's one that I actually have a bit of a problem with. I, I don't like the word special. Yeah, I, I feel that we are all special. Okay, We might be different and we might need different help when we're learning. And some countries and some schools in, around the world use different terms rather than SEN. So we might hear someone talking about additional support needs or additional educational needs or learning support needs or additional support needs. And I think that's a a better way of phrasing it, because everybody at some point is going to need some extra help. If I talk up just about myself, you know, music, when I was was at primary school and all the way through school, I needed lots of extra help with music. What we did try to do in this course, or in, in the two courses that we offer, to try and look at some of the more recognisable areas of additional support needs. So we looked at behavioural difficulties or physical difficulties or sensory or uh, sort of visual, those kinds of things. Things that teachers are going to come across all the time in their classroom. And we're going to look at, say, how can we support those children? It's not about fixing them. As I think some people think, oh great, we can go in that course and we'll be able to fix those children. Those learners don't need fixed. And to be honest, we can't fix them. And it's not, they don't need fixed. They need help and support. Learners with these sort of additional support needs can still learn. And that's, that's what we really wanted to get across in the course. They can still learn. But as the, as the teacher or the adult in the room, it's our responsibility to give them the extra help and the extra support that they need so that they can learn. Mm-hmm. 
yeah i completely agree with with the kind of the terminology and and kind of the approach so in a traditional face-to-face classroom setting how would um let's call them additional needs students then um receive support from their teachers uh, and teaching assistants etc so in in a traditional face-to-face setting offering that extra support is relatively easy it's dependent on resources and dependent on time and dependent on staffing. But the children that needed that extra help and support would be given extra help and support by another adult in the room. They might also be given extra resources. So it could be if someone had an eyesight problem, they could be given some kind of screen reader or big print versions of what they were working on. It could be a physical difficulty where they had some some kind of equipment to help them so that they could physically be in the classroom or physically move around the classroom. So there were there were lots of options like that in face to face. It was, as I say, relatively easy if you had the resources to give them that bit of extra time and extra yeah. support. So now we come to the pandemic and we can't be in classroom with with students face to face how has this support had to change um over the last 18 months now okay so i think yeah whether it was through the pandemic or through what's perhaps now going to be an almost permanent change in the mm-hmm. way that we look at teaching and learning and look at life yeah. we're all going to be involved a lot more with online and that becomes more difficult we can't physically be there to help those pupils and help those learners. We're relying on the home setting to offer them that support, which, let's be honest, it's not always there. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not trying to blame anybody for this, particularly during the pandemic. People are trying to work from home. You know, we, we yeah. don't have the, the, the time, we don't have this the physical space to actually do that extra work with them. So we've had to sort of look at how can we actually address those issues? And that's really what we try to do in the, the teaching SE online, SEM online course. Look at what the issues are and look at what's available as a substitute for mm-hmm. that additional support. Okay, so you mentioned the, the how to teach SEN students online, um, the professional development module. Within that module, you mentioned five key principles. Um, do you mind kind of just running through what they are and how you can adapt them to online learning? Of course, of course. So the, these are not in any definitive five principles, just the, mm-hmm. the five that, that we work with. And they could be broken down into 20 principles and someone could even combine to end up with three principles if you wanted. I, we took the approach of five because it, it broke it down into nice even chunks. The first one, now this is something that, you know, speaking to a school just the other week and I was speaking to a teacher and they were, they were working online and they said that, you know, one of, the, one of the problems they were having was they set their children a task and they all came back with something completely different. Okay, that's, and that's not what the teacher had in mind. Now, two ways of looking at that. Either that's fantastic, look how creative my children have been, or something's gone completely wrong and it's not the the end product we were looking for. What we need to do is when we're teaching online, we need to, first principle is break it down into small steps. 
if we were working face to face and we were working with our class and somebody was going off at a tangent or someone had a major misconception on what we were working on, we'd, be, we'd see that in the classroom and we'd be able to deal with that. We'd be able to stop, help them, support them and get them back on track. If we work online, we don't have that instant, immediate contact. And if you take what you're working on and break it down into small steps where we can check in with the pupils and say, right, wait, how have you got on with step one? Where have you got to? And then we can see if they're still on track and then move on to step two, three, four, five, however many steps there happen to be. So when we're planning our online delivery, lots of people would do their, their traditional teaching, if you like, online. You know, we'd, we'd have that virtual face-to-face -face contact and model the learning and do the demonstrations online and then set the children a task, which they then submitted later on. We need to build in checkpoints. Don't do all your teaching in one go. Do it in little bits, little pieces, and break it right down so that we can see everybody's on track. The second principle, and this is one that it applies everywhere in education, I think, but particularly with online. We have to keep the children motivated. We have to have activities that are engaging. If we were face to face, now, some things, not, not everybody's going to enjoy every piece of learning that they do. Okay, but some of it, no, it's, it's back to that. We, we've got to do it. And we try and make it as enjoyable as possible for everybody. But if we're in the classroom, we can see when somebody's not engaged and we can do something about it. You know, we can we can build in some kind of reward system. We can say, right, OK, let's get this bit done. Let's see if you can do the same as somebody else and give them that encouragement. When we are not there, that's gone. So we have to make sure that they are engaging and motivating. Looking at a laptop screen or looking at whatever screen the children are looking at isn't motivating. You know, looking at a screen, is, it's not particularly healthy for long periods of times. So going back to that small steps, building rewards, building brain breaks, it's where we actually stop what we're thinking about and go off and look at, think about something completely different. That's something that we do in our training is, Throughout the training, we stop what we're doing and people are given a two-minute activity. Go and find something beginning with the letter C. Go and find something that makes you smile. Now, activities like that that are completely unrelated to the task. But it lets our brain switch off and we get to think about something else and we can come back to the tasks of motivated, engaged and energised to get going again. So, so th those two, you know, that, that small tasks with the breaks and keeping them motivated. The third one that I've got in here is this idea of giving people time or students time to talk and to talk about their understanding. As adults, I bet everybody listening to this, and I'm sure you'll agree, Stacey, we all talk to ourselves. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. All the time. We all talk to ourselves. Hope. Hopefully not in the queue at the supermarket, yeah. but yes, I, I've done that out loud in the queue in the supermarket with some, some very strange looks, yeah. you know. 
And before we started recording this, I, I ran through this spot with sort of the questions and what mm-hmm. we sort of have prepared beforehand and, yeah. and talked it through myself. We all do it because it lets us organise our thoughts, get our thinking in place. And we need to give the students the opportunity. And we have to sort of stop saying, do you understand? Okay. Yes, we, we want them to understand, but we want them to show us that they understand. You know, and actually talk through their thinking. And, and a, a very quick example, if we were working on maths, just as a you know, sort of fairly low-level maths, and we're doing subtraction of a three-digit number from a four-digit number, and they're going to have to do some exchanging and decomposition. Letting the child say, well, I can't take away three tens from two tens. What am I going to do? I'm going to have to go and get some more tens. I'm going to have to take my hundreds and I'm going to have to exchange some of them for tens. Let them talk it through. Mm-hmm. That really that really helps them with their understanding. They make all those connections between the bits of learning and see how it all fits together. But from out from the adult teacher's perspective, we get to see and hear what they're thinking. And we can actually see where there's possibly a misconception or if they have fully understood what we're working on. So what we often do when we're working online, we, we get the students to do lots of the talking. If you're using one of the, whether you're using Teams or Zoom or any of these kind of online learning tools, there's lots of opportunities for small breakout rooms and mm-hmm. let the students talk to each other. Let them share their thinking with each other, not just with you, but with, you know, with their peers. So that they're talking it through and really get an opportunity to pull it all together in their own minds. And that's when the light bulb moment happens, when they can see that they go, ah, that's what it's about. Now I get it. Now I understand. Just by having that opportunity to talk. Moving on, the, the fourth one I've put down on here is praise. And giving, giving praise. But we have to be careful where and when we give praise. And mm-hmm. I, what I'm, we, we work on in the course and we look at examples in the courses that we deliver, praising effort. Very traditionally, and if I go back to when I was at school, when I started teaching oh, 30-something years ago, praise went to the people who got things right. Yeah. You know, oh, well done, that's the right answer. Or that's great. Or, oh, you've done that really right. You've finished on time. And look, your work's lovely and neat. Mm-hmm. What we actually want to praise is the children who've worked hard, irrespective of what the end result is. Even if they've not got the right answer of what you were expecting, if they've worked hard at it, that's when we want to reward praise. Yes, we're still going to steer them towards the right answer or the right outcome, but the child who's actually focused in their work, put the effort in, thought about what they're doing, shared their ideas, are the ones we want to praise. Yeah. The child who's handed in their work and it's lovely and neat and everything's right and it's all done on time hasn't really worked. They've just churned something out perhaps without any real effort and that's maybe not worthy of praise. Those children we maybe want to say, and if you think about the work we do with growth mindsets and other, mm-hmm. other yeah. courses, The child who just churns the work out, what we really want to say to them is, oh, I'm sorry, I wasted your time. Let's get you something more challenging so that they have to work and put effort in. And that's what's worthy of praise. 
The final one, and again, it relates back to the previous four, the feedback that we give. It's not that's right, that's wrong. It's how can you improve? And that's what we really want to, to get our children. We have to be quite specific about it and say, right, see this piece here? That's fantastic. I love what you've done there. I love the description you've given of it. But when you come to the ending, maybe we could try and tie it together a little bit better. So we give that very specific praise on what's good and where we can actually improve on it. One of the other courses we offer is on active learning. And one of the strategies within that is two stars and a wish. And it's yep. one that's it's brilliant for um, assessment for learning strategies, where we focus on two things and think, fantastic, that's great, we're going to get lots of praise there. But let's have a look at this bit. This is where it could, the whole thing could become brilliant if we just do a little bit more work on this area. So we have to be quite specific and we have to give that feedback in a way that the children fully understand so that they can, you know, we almost give them specific instructions. Here's what you can do with this bit. Now go and do that bit again so we can really improve on it. So just to, to quick, like I've, I've rambled on a little bit. Just to, no, it's been fantastic. To, <laughs> to, to recap on those five principles, remember the first one, it sounds like the X factor in no particular <laughs> order. Break things down into small steps so that we can check in with our pupils. Keep them motivated and engaged. Give them brain breaks. Give them some kind of reward online so that we've done a little bit. Right, let's take a break and we'll come back to it. Let them talk. That I, I never mentioned, that can be difficult online with all sorts of microphones mm -hmm. and equipment and echoing and all sorts of things. But where you can, talking to you and talking to their peers. Give praise for hard work. Give, and focus on that hard work. Because the child, you know, we really want them to work hard and be focused. So that's where the praise, the praise goes. And finally, giving feedback and specific feedback on how to improve. Yeah, I mean, all of those kind of key principles and, and how you've kind of adapted them to online learning, um, I think are also relevant to kind of any other student as well and teacher and um, they just uh, are a bit more um, kind of prevalent and needed for SEN students. Absolutely, they, I've been quite general in what we're, we're covering mm -hmm. here. The course, the courses go into, you know, much more specifics, yeah. looking at specific or specific learning needs and go into that in a lot more detail. But you're right, everything I've said here can be applied to every single pupil. Because, as I said at the very beginning, every pupil, every learner is special in their own way. Yeah, completely agree. Um, and be, one last question. Um, okay. Do you have kind of any top tips or advice uh, for teachers who may be teaching um, additional uh, needs students virtually, specifically virtually at this time? Okay, so the first, the first thing I would say is we're not changing the learning. Mm -hmm. We might... We might be focusing more on specific pieces of learning because some things cannot be delivered online. It's it yeah. not certainly not as particularly effectively online. Mm -hmm. But what we what we can deliver, it's the same learning. The way we're delivering it is different. And if you go back to those five principles that we talked about and build them into the planning, 
because we will not, if you use a math scheme or a reading scheme or any sort of package that comes with planning, and one of the ones, some of the ones we use that Pearsons have, the, the, the Power Maths or the Abacus or yeah. the Verb Club, all come with planning. That planning will not work in its current form for online delivery. We're going to have to take it and adapt it using those five principles. But remember, the learning is the same. Right? Mm-hmm. That's, you know, key thing. Yeah. The next piece of advice is make sure you know how the platform you're using works. If you're using Zoom or Office 365 or Google Hangouts or whatever platform you happen to be using, take time to become comfortable with that. You have to be confident online. There's, I, I've done it myself and we've mm-hmm. all done it and we've, yeah. we've said the words, now hopefully you can see my screen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, I, yeah. I was listening back to a recording of myself the other day and I'd said it and I just cringed <laughs> so much at that point because I have to be confident. As soon as I, as soon as I lose confidence and say things like hopefully and maybe yeah. and words like that, the pupils, the learners lose confidence as well. Okay, so make sure you know how it works. And one of the things that I, now I'm, I'm lucky enough to have more than one device. So when I when I started out, I had the the platform we were using open online on my my uh, tablet. Uh, sorry, on my on my laptop, and on my tablet I logged in as if I was a pupil. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I could glance at my tablet and see exactly what the pupils and. That helped me, but it boosted my confidence in knowing that, right, it is working. Because looking at your laptop is very odd. It's very strange because you, you don't see the other people at the other side. So, so learn whatever the platform is. They all have similar tools. Make mm-hmm. sure you know where they are. Know where the chat button is. Know where the mute all button is because that's something that's going. That's what that, that's what we use a lot, right? Just mute everybody because it's my turn now and I'm going to speak. So you know, that's one thing. Other things I think that we need to think about where you work, and this applies to both you and your learners. Okay? They are going to have an insight into your house or wherever you're working. Okay? Mm-hmm. Again, I'm really lucky. I've got a room I can set up in an office. But we want to make sure that when we're teaching, the distractions aren't going on behind us. We've all got other family members. We want to make sure that they know we're working just now and they're not going to come and speak to us. We know that the dog has been fed and all <laughs> those kind of things. Yeah. Reduce the distractions. And think about what they're seeing in the camera. You know, Think about what's that, what's behind you. And are they now looking at your bookshelf to try and see what books you read or are they looking at you? So so limit the background. You can use virtual backgrounds if you want. Uh, but you know, think about those kinds of things. Other things when we're doing that, just thinking about, again, this is something we need to practice. Set it up and look at yourself in the camera and look at the screen. I've, I've got my laptop raised up slightly so that when I'm sitting, the camera is exactly at eye level. No, yeah. nobody's, we've all seen it, and, we, and if we watch it on telly, you know, we've all seen on television where the person being interviewed looks at the wrong camera or the <laughs> yeah. camera angles, you know, and we've all seen it on Zoom, and I've, I've, 
if I could show you now, I would, a picture of my mother on Zoom <laughs> and all you see is up her nose. That's it, because she's got the, the laptop on her yeah. lap and it's pointing up and it just looks awful. Now, it's fine with your family, mm-hmm. but not when we're teaching. You know, we would we would all be think about how we are dressed when we went into school. We'd all think, you know, make sure that we're we're all set up properly for our teaching. It's the same online. So have a practice. Have a practice. Headphones, microphones, work out what works best for you. Okay. Personally, I I don't I personally use an external microphone. That's what I'm recording on today. Mm-hmm. They're not expensive. You know, in built-in microphones and built-in speakers are okay for our pupils, but when yeah. we are the teacher, the quality can be really poor. The quality in some laptops is fantastic, but on some of them, the quality is really poor. And we want to make sure that our learners are getting the best possible experience. They can still see us. They can still see us. They can still hear us. Finally, one more before the final one I would (laughs) say is smile. You know, I I mentioned earlier on about being confident. Mm -hmm. Smile. Look like you want to be there. You know, but even if you don't, look like you want to be. You know, and that, that's going to bring on that whole idea of motivation and engagement. Finally, the final top tip, and it's, it's not a tip, it's a warning. It won't be perfect. Forget about perfection. Things happen. You know, internet goes down. You know, yep. The postman comes to the door. The cat or the dog comes into the room. <laughs> whatever it is, go with the flow. Just accept it. You know, we can plan as much as we want, but it's not going to be perfect. Just accept that things are going to go wrong and be ready where possible to deal with them. You know, don't panic. Don't panic to say, oh, I'm really sorry. I'm just going to have to close the door. Get up and go and close the door and then come back and sit down. Whatever it is you need to do to deal with it. Yeah. Um, and I think we've all experienced some of that, haven't we? Oh, we have. Yeah. We have. And there are there are many famous examples I've been seeing on the television yeah. with toddlers coming into the room and the nanny coming in to try and get them back <laughs> in. And Lots of famous examples like that. And while that was entertaining and amusing, the message still got across. Mm-hmm. The message yeah. still got across. And we are human. We're real people. And I think that's you know part of part of teaching. The pupils have to see us that we're just people. We're okay. We're the teacher but we're still just human. Yeah, and I think that's actually quite a really nice note to to kind of finish off um, this episode on. So thank you very much for your time and your insights. No, thank you. Thank all you. of your advice. It's been fun. It's been fantastic. So thank you very much, Alan. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. To hear more from Alan on teaching SEN students online, please do watch a recording of a webinar that took place on Wednesday the 16th of June 2021. The link to the recording can be found in the description. For more news and to keep up to date with resources, PD and more from Pearson, please do sign up to the International Schools blog. A link is provided in the description of this episode. So, take a journey with me and let's go beyond the IPLS classroom.